Welcome, everybody, to episode number 34 of Monster Baby Podcast. This is a curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. I'm Ted DeMaison. And I'm Lisa Rowland. We're your co-hosts. Uh, to guide you through the, the various topics that we choose to tackle and explore the ways the, that mindfulness and improvisation may have something to say about those topics and, and then may give you some wisdom for how you might live your life. A life of delight, discovery, ease, joy. God, it's good. God, it's good. It's good to be a mindful oh, improviser. man, you take this stuff in and it just makes so, some shifts. So, so today's topic is listening. And, yeah. All different sorts of listening. We talked about all different... We're about to... You're about to hear a conversation. So, hey, as you are tuning into this one, we encourage you to put your listening... What is it? Listening cap? Sure. Did you have that in school when you were a kid? A listening cap? No. Did you? I mean, it was metaphorical. Listening cap? Put your listening caps on, kids. Thinking cap. (laughs) Did did you have a listening cap or did you have a thinking... I think I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway. This is going to loop back around. (laughs) We hope you... I think I had a listen. Put your listening anyway. Listen well, people. Anyway, listen, listen up. Not just to the words, not just to the content, but hey, an invitation to listen to the tones, the rhythms, the pauses, the hitches, mm. if you will. Yeah, it's a pretty wide-ranging conversation, I'll mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. And you, you got some ambient sounds to hear as cover well. Cover a lot of ground. Yeah, and we're outside in beautiful Stanford, so you'll see, you'll you'll hear some uh, visitors. Okay, so that's that. And, uh, That's all we got. <laughs> Get on to listening. We're speaking. It's time for you to listen. Yeah. So enjoy. Bye. This is Monster Baby episode number thirty-four. What are, you, what are we talking about here, Lisa? What did you just say? Okay. All right. I get your I get your demonstration. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Listening. Listening. Did you hear that? <laughs> this is we're we're fresh. We're still fresh off my having been on this ten day silent retreat. Mm-hmm. My listening skills feel honed. Like I'm sharply more sharply in touch. That seems like the wrong adverb to use. I'm more directly in touch with my sensation of hearing than I usually am. Ah, uh huh. And how you know, hearing and listening are connected. So I'm going to be curious to see how we unfold this bad boy. And in contrast to the last episode where I had all these things I specifically wanted to share. We got nothing. We got nothing except a topic. We got nothing except a topic. We got a word. However, we do have the shock that we have not yet covered listening, given that it is like the most essential, the most essential skill in improvisation, I think. Super central. And in a way... It's like the essence of what you're doing in mindfulness. Yeah, we went back when we defined mindfulness, way yeah. back in like, I think it was episode two. And I asked you what you thought mindfulness was. That was the answer that you came up with. Yeah. Oh, I had read some little book that described it that way. And it suddenly like demystified the whole thing. And I was like, oh, listening. Yeah. Yeah. I can do that. And it's like, so mindfulness is listening with your whole awareness, listening with your eyes, listening with your ears. Yeah, receiving, receiving, like being receptive. And I've been on this jag, and maybe I've mentioned it on the podcast, but like I really feel like the the superpower of the improviser is receiving. Mm -hmm. Like I think that's what we're good at doing. That's the skill to get good at. It is not coming up with stuff. I mean, there are all these other skills, right? Storytelling and, uh, you know, character building and 
you know spontaneity yeah relationship building and environments and space objects like there's other of course skills that go into the craft of improvisation but like at the at the core I think the thing that makes improvisers really good are that they're very good receivers and that is a couple of that's a couple of pieces the first is the first most obvious thing is whatever they get they do something with yeah they a they notice it and they they do something with it and b they get more than other people so i think that one of the things right. that we practice is receiving more in the same moment that a sort of an, an improviser and a civilian will notice yeah. or will experience an improviser will get more it's like more bandwidth to take There's in the more information bandwidth. exactly yeah. because we've practiced hearing and remembering and paying attention with all of our senses so it's like we're we're really excellent receivers. Mm -hmm. We we have honed our ability to receive messages, and then we know and, and we and we have an attitude which says this is something I can play with, and then we play with it. And then that allows you to to build quickly. Like you don't have to generate a whole bunch of stuff because if you're listening well, then it's there. The slightest movement or yeah. offer from your partner will then lead to will unfold all sorts of other things. Yeah. That happened in the class that we taught today. So we taught our last class from this uh, play attention sequence down here at Stanford. Yeah. Mindful. Oh yeah, we're down at Stan. We're at Stanford. You can probably have heard the passing airplanes already, but but uh, we're passing. in this lovely courtyard with uh, oak trees and the sun starting to head down. But we did our final class and and we did a, a mirroring exercise where we put some music on. People were just standing in front of each other, moving one person leading and then the other person leading and then eventually getting to just followership, both following. And it was that idea of like, you don't have to make anything happen. You just listen or, you know, yeah. I'm putting listen in quotes. Like, make no offers, take all offers. And just what, what do you see happening? And there it is. And that leads you to the next thing. And yeah. So easy. Yeah. How do you think improvisers develop that bandwidth? Is it just from repetition? Yeah. Uh, yes. I think it is. <laughs> I think it's repetition and, and intention. Okay. I think it's just like a skill that you get good at practicing. Mm -hmm. And it's multitasking. It's listening to... It's like... You know, I've often said that improvisers have to pay... You have to pay harder attention when you're improvising than when you do anything else. Mm -hmm. Because you actually have to use all of the stuff that you're taking in, whether it was intended for you or not. Mm -hmm. You can use the sounds that are happening outside the theater, and you can use the... The, certainly the offers that are coming from your other improvisers, but you're also using the mistakes that your partners make and missteps mis that they make right. verbally, but also what they're endowing in the space physically and where the doors are. It's like you have to just notice all of it. And I think the only way to get better at doing that is just like actually do go it. to the gym, like practice it. Pump some iron, some listening iron. Do you, when you're on stage, do you notice subtle changes in your stage mates tone of voice or rhythm of speaking like the qualities of the sound then what from what as opposed from to normal, content like normal conversation well like we're let's say we're in the middle of a scene together and all of a sudden my voice goes up is that something that's going to register as oh that's information yeah maybe yeah ostensibly mm -hmm. and like everything's an offer so you just can't you know so you could use everything right I, I was, I'm asking because one of the interesting things that we talk about in mindfulness often is 
paying attention to the sensory quality of the experience. Mm-hmm. And that that's a way of helping you stay grounded in the present. Um, <laughs> kind of like we talked on the last episode, maybe it could pull you out for a moment if, if we're having a conversation and I'm paying attention to the rhythm of your speech. Yeah. Or I'm paying attention to the vocal tone yeah. of the air moving through your vocal cords or yeah. the, the pitch of your voice. Are you up here or are you down here? And, right. But that tuning into those things... A, it gives us different information, and B, I think it brings us back to the present moment because we're not labeling the things we're hearing. I'm not saying, oh, this is this word means this. I'm, I'm staying present with the emergence of this thing the as it's happening. The experience of hearing yes, this thing. Yes, the experience, nice. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine after our podcast, our last podcast episode, mm-hmm. and about the conversation we had about how I was like, I don't want you to be thinking about how you're sitting when you're talking. I was like, I want you to be talking to me. I want you to be in the conversation. Like, pay attention to that. And he made the point. He was like, well, I think it's just like improv. Like, the better, the more you do it, the better you are at doing a lot of things at once. Yes. So that I'm not taking my attention away from you just because I'm also noticing what's happening with my body or your body or our body or right. whatever. Like, it's, uh, I'm noticing all of it. And you don't have, even though we do have a finite, well, that's interesting. Oh, that's an interesting question. We were talking before about the attention economy and how yeah. we have a finite amount of attention to pay. Oh, you're wondering if that's true. I'm wondering if that's true. I'm wondering I, if I think it's, it's like, true. But to any Up given to moment... Limit. Right, it might get wider. Oh. You can... Am, under, am I understanding you? I don't know. I'm the not, thing that I'm asking is like... A person could be thinking, well, I'm paying attention... I, I'm paying all the, the, all the attention I have to this moment... Right. But the more you practice paying attention to more things, the more you notice. So does that mean you have more attention that you're paying to that moment? Oh, I see. You know what I mean? Like you can notice more things. You're Right. Yeah, I think You're not you don't have to choose either I'm paying attention to Lisa or I'm paying attention to my body. If you practice it, you can be paying attention to both. Right. Okay. So let's say that I'm just getting started with my listening skills and I've got 25 units of attention that I can apply and so I apply all of them to listening to Lisa. I'm not paying attention to my my own experience, what's happening in my body, how I'm sitting. I'm just, and I'm not even, I'm not paying attention to the qualities of your voice. I'm just trying to get the content. I'm applying 25 units to content absorption. I get better. Now I've got 35 units like it a lot. Like, is that how it goes? Yeah, I don't know. So I could apply 25 to your content and now I've got five for your vocal qualities and five for my, yeah. what's going on in my body. Yeah. That makes sense to me, that kind of analogy. I'll buy that. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I'll buy that for 30 units of listening. Sure. 30 listening tokens. Um, What do you think a good listener does? And we could mean this improv-wise or we could mean this just in general in life. If you're sitting with somebody and they're listening well, what are they doing or giving you? Hmm. I... feel like my message is really landing and they really want to hear it. Oh, so good listening involves some approval or like affection? They really want to hear it. They want to be in the conversation we're in. They want to hear what I have to say. Interesting. They want to hear it. Mm, yeah, that's curious. I wasn't expecting that. Really? Th- yeah, well, I'm thinking like... What if I don't want, can I be a good listener even if I don't want to hear it? Like, let's say we're in a relationship, you're going to break up with me. I don't want to hear that. Well, I think you cannot like the content. Okay, but I still want to hear it. But you still want to hear it. You still want to hear what I got to say, Okay. I think. Yeah, so, so say it again. 
the quality. The message, the, the the message that I'm delivering, I feel like it's really landing. It's landing, uh huh. And that you really want to hear it. Okay. And I think the qualities of a listener are that they are. At least when I'm on the other side of it, when I'm talking, they seem curious in my experience and my mm. story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then physically, there's things like attention, or rather, eye contact, and yeah. comments that indicate, you know, co- comments and behaviors that say, "Yeah, here, I got you. Yes, right. I'm, I'm with you." And questions and engagements, and like, "Oh, that's is it like this other thing that we talked about before, or that reminds me of this thing, or yeah. whatever?" Like engagement, engagement with the topic. I'm thinking of the first word that came to mind for me was presence, not surprisingly, that I have this, <laughs> I have this sense that they're actually there. Yeah. That they're not thinking about something else. They're not preparing their response. They're not, but they're actually focused in on what we're doing. And, and another one is spaciousness. Mm. And so I, I think some people think of good listening as, you know, sort of a, like a tennis match back and forth, boom, 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 and we kind of interrupt each other. And some conversations are really fun that way. But I love it. I feel somebody's really listening when they're giving me space to pause and reach the end of my thought. Yeah. And allow something else to emerge. And then, am I done with what I want to say? Yeah. Okay. What next? As opposed to, I pause, and then that's like this opportunity to jump they in. They jump in. Yeah. So the, that spaciousness is really important for me when I feel like I'm with a really good listener. Mm-hmm. But I like what you said, too, about their curiosity. So it's, it's um, and not a curiosity that turns it towards their agenda. Yeah, yeah. It's like curiosity about what's my experience or some trying to understand something that I said or shed light or... For the sake of understanding it, for yeah. the sake of understanding what it's like for me, what that moment was like, what that experience was like. Right. Uh, Have we talked about open, honest questions? I don't know. This comes from the work of Parker Palmer. Started a place called the Center for Courage and Renewal, and he wrote The Courage to Teach and a few other really great books. But he started this thing called Circles of Trust, where people get together in groups to work on helping each other find their own, your own wisdom, your own internal wisdom. And they say, don't fix, don't advise, don't consult. You know, when somebody says something, you're not, you're not, job is not to jump in and tell them what they should do, or even if it's well-intentioned yeah. or smart. But to ask open and honest questions that lead them closer to their own wisdom. Mm. And so an open question is not a yes or no question. It's sort of open-ended. But the honest one is, I really don't know the answer. Yeah. It's not like a... It's not a quiz. Well, have you ever felt sad? Do you ever notice yourself feeling sad? Well, no, that's me thinking that maybe you should be sad, right? Yeah. But it's like if I say, well, what feelings come up for you? Right. I, don't, I really don't know, and I'm leaving space for you to discover it. So I think good listeners ask open, honest questions. That feels huge. Hmm. How come? Because I think the vast majority of listening that people do in conversation is really... Oh, there's like so many things. I'm trying to figure out how to say it. Okay. It's like a little selfish. Yep. So it's like, what am I going to say in response to this thing? And like, oh, I have this great thing. Yep. I have this great thing to say, and I'm going to look for an opportunity to say it. So I can look good. Because it's going to be great. And they'll like me. Yep. Yeah. It's like, I've totally done this. I'm like, oh, I got something good. Yep. I got a way to say this that people are going to like. I do it all the time. All the t- I do this all the time. Yes. All the time. And granted, you usually do have good things to say. Thank you. <laughs> 
I'm glad I'm not misguided in the, in the impression. <laughs> I'd like to be, you know, and I feel like I, and the idea of, of being agendaless in your questioning of somebody, that it, there's no judgment attached to the question. Yeah. Is like, it just feels really lovely and Clean. kind of rare. Yeah. That somebody asks a question not because they have an idea of what they'd like the answer to be, or they, you know, like, well, don't you think that she would have told you if, you know, like, mm-hmm. that's not an honest question. Right. What you're saying is, she would have told you if she wanted, you know, it's like, yeah. like there's, so the the idea of asking questions, the the requirement being, you can't know the answer to it. Right. And you can't even have a desired answer to it. Like, yeah. it's all about the other person. It's very selfless. It's like very, like... I just want to know what, what your world is like, what yeah. your experience is like. It can also be really improvisational. Uh, and like we were talking about on the last episode, this notion of trusting emergence. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you pause and you relax and you open up to what's there and you kind of settle in, so you're, maybe, you're, maybe you've paused as a speaker and as a listener, I'm like just checking in like, okay, what comes to my awareness? What boat pulls up? Or what boat do I pull, does my awareness pull up next to? And like, oh, here's a question. This might seem totally off topic, but for some reason I'm getting the inkling to ask this. This mm-hmm. feels really improvisational. You know, if if this situation were a song, what song would it be? Mm-hmm. You're like, where did, where did that question come from? How does that relate? And yet trusting that this thing has bubbled up. For a reason. For a reason. And maybe it's going to be Or because there's something that you're yeah. responding to, yeah. Yeah. And that somehow that will be helpful for the other person. But it, And then... So being agendaless, but also if the other person were to be like, nope, that's not a helpful question. I'd be like, okay. Okay, great. Um, that's not, it's not a strike on me. Yeah. Uh, there's also like a kind of listening that, right, there's different modes that you like pop into and out of. Like there's times when it's like, if somebody says, I need you to help me work this out. It's like, got it. Like click mm-hmm. in to this mode for sure. It's a little more analytical or... Well, it's just, it's like, this part is about you. Okay. This part is about you. Somebody's come to me. Oh, like somebody puts up a signal and says, hey. I need some help working this out. Can I get 10 minutes? Yeah. This is not a a back and forth chit chat. Like, I need you to focus your energy on my problem for a minute. Or my situation or my conundrum or whatever. It is that I need help working out. Uh, And that feels like a a, a particular kind of listening. Mm -hmm. And if we're just like chatting back and forth. Sometimes it's about a different thing. It's not about your experience of a thing. Sometimes we're like jamming or sparring or or, you know, playing with words or something back and forth where it's like the listening is actually, the presence is just important, but what we're listening for is a little bit different. Yeah. You know? Tuning in for a pun or something, yeah. Yeah, like, what's the, Mm -hmm. you're like listening to the moment. I'm aware now that my, my description of a good listener, I think maybe a little bit yours too, feels it's obviously culturally influenced, right? Like I'm a very white listener. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of like, well, I should say white, maybe English as well. I, my heritage of English, Western European. But like you go to an Italian house or a Brazilian house or an African-American house, listening might look very different. Mm-hmm. Right? And if you're not in there, like you go to an African-American church and you're preaching in an African American church, and everyone's sitting quietly. Everyone's like, sitting quietly. You're like you're flailing up yeah. there. You're doing <laughs> right. so. And people are waiting. They're like, but if hey, you go man. to like an Episcopalian church or something, yeah. And but if you right, if you go to a a, a Catholic church and you start shouting out, <laughs> preach it. <laughs> uh, 
It's like that is not does not fit the context. That's really interesting. Right? So That's really interesting. Maybe like that back and forth of like, say it, brother, say it. Yeah. You know, tell us, Martin. Right. Gets the person going and like there's this participation. There's an, a social, expe- societal expectation of it. There's a cultural yeah. expectation set there. This and, is how we behave. And familiarity, and it, it leads to different kinds of things. So, like, there's the, the hype man of egging people on. Yeah. Like, you know, that gets you different places. Uh, maybe it's different kinds of listening for different kinds of topics, right? So if I'm trying to get inspirational with something I'm saying, you egg me on. If I'm trying to deal with some vulnerable emotion or discern some subtle awareness in my psyche like I need space and quiet to just kind of suss it out yeah but I, I want to be careful not to universalize what we're describing as good listening like this is what we're saying is good listening for yeah, us it's my definition right it's your definition yeah here listeners just for a moment we're going to do a little pause like pause relax open so I'm going to open a water bottle and I'm going to give you the chance to see if you can listen and enjoy the physical sensations, auditory sensations. <sighs> okay, that last part what a, was... What an, engaging, was. <laughs> what an engaging activity for our listeners. Hey, if they've got them on head, If you folks have this on headphones, you're getting an experience unlike any other. You could probably identify... I'll bet that there are people out there in the world who could hear these airplanes going overhead and be like, oh yeah, that's a Boeing 757 built in 19, you know, or not 19, 22, 2002, probably uh, sold out of uh, Edmonds Airfield in, uh, oh, what town is that? Oh, I had it. I was on a roll. <laughs> Redmond? Edmonds. Edmonds, Washington. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Because their hearing is that good. Well, they've learned what to listen for. Yes. Yes. In the ways that improvisers learn to listen for what yeah. their name is. Yeah. And other people learn to listen for something else. Okay, so here's another thing about this. So, like, what are you listening for? Ooh. That feels like an important question. Okay. What are you listening for? And then, what, what about the what are you listening for? Say more. When you, when you say what are you listening for, what does that mean to you? I think you're likely to hear what you're listening for. Oh, I've got something really cool to say about that, but go ahead. So, like, somebody who has studied airplanes. Yeah. Like, hears that, and it's like, what? Like, their ear's trained to, like, know what that is. Yes. And so they, like, really they really hear it, whereas they might not notice the birds singing, because that's not something they've decided to pay attention to. Right. And, and then also, like, on an internal, well, so, then on, a, like, an internal level, there's also, like, you get what you look for. You see what you look for. Right. And if you are certain that you are left out by everybody, it's confirmation bias. You will look yes. for the information that tells you that tells you that. You're listening for that, for that information. Oh, uh, right, yeah. And you're listening, and you're... Excluding other things. And yeah, you're not, you're just not hearing the other stuff. Okay, so here's a fascinating fact that I learned this week. Great. Did not know this. We were talking at the retreat about the exquisite sensitivity of the human organism, the way we evolved to be sensorily tuned in. Mm-hmm. And so talking about the kind of magic of speaking and listening that I've got some air inside my belly that is being pushed out past my vocal cords, is moving through the air to your eardrum, hits your eardrum, vibrates it a certain way, sends a signal to your brain, which then translates it as words, which then have meaning, like unbelievably complex and magical. Yeah. Okay, so all that is true. And this is the new part. 
apparently our eardrums can change the tension on the drum, the membrane, the tympanic membrane, in order to tune in more specifically to certain pitches. So if I hear some animal rustling in the leaves over there, and I'm concerned about it, my brain and being and mind-body system is going to adjust the tension on my eardrum to, to tune in that to that specific frequency better. Is that unbelievable? Wow. Is that cool? Yeah. yeah. Human body's amazing. So cool. It's amazing. So cool. So that's, that's not quite confirmation bias, but it's like, where do we put that spotlight of attention? Yeah. Our body shifts in response to what we're tuning into. Yeah. That's cool. Isn't that a cool fact? So cool. Yeah. I love that. So you, so you're saying choosing what we hear. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about how, particularly with listening mindfully to what sounds are there without having to label them. So you tune into the quality of the sound rather than naming it. So rather than, oh, airplane, I, I notice uh, a rumble, rumble ongoing, you know, it's extended, it's the pitch is changing a little yeah, bit. Descriptors kind of, of it. Yeah, descriptors of it. And that when you tune in that way to sounds, you get tuned into how they rise and fall. They come and go. Hmm. They're, they're not the same all the time. Ah. Right? So it, it, it's a, a direct experience of the nature of change, mm-hmm. which is the same thing with thoughts, which is the same thing with emotions. Mm-hmm. But by tuning into the sounds, we're getting an experience of that mindfulness, mindful awareness truth. That's really interesting. So, so there's also this idea of listening, to, listening for the qualities. That's <laughs> funny. Um, is listening for the qualities of a conversation. So, so I mean, I don't know that it's, exa- it's not exactly the same thing, but this is where my brain went, is I think another good listener, rather, a good conversationalist, mm. which is, I suppose, different than a good listener. A little bit different, but okay. A so little bit different. Related. But the kind of person I love to be in conversation with notices how much space in a conversation mm-hmm. they are taking up yes. and I am taking up. Yes. And checks in. Checks in about it. Yes. Tries to shift it. If it's out of balance. Leaves an, leaves an opening, if it's out of balance. And maybe that opening isn't taken, right? Because it's like... Yeah, maybe it doesn't need to be. Because maybe there is more going on with one person than the other, and, then, and that's fine. Um, but I realize that my best friends and I do this a lot, which is one person will be talking, they'll say, I just have I've been talking the whole time. And the other one will be like, that, I know. Well, we'll talk about me another time. This is, this, right. you've got stuff going on. Like, give, give it to me more. Or the other person will say... That's okay. It's great. We're, you know, we're figuring it out. I, before we're done, I want to make sure to tell you about this thing, right? So it's like clocking the needs that both people have in a, rela- in a, in a conversation in a really explicit way. Yes. But, but noticing that first and, and noticing the quality of whether the other person feels comfortable in the conversation. So like, I also mm. feel so, like some people think conversations are all about the information that is relayed. And that is so not true. Especially not just the verbal information. Yeah. Because there's all sorts yes. of other information going on, too. Yes. And I have somebody very specific in mind who, like, is really into into the information and is missing all of these cues about, like, consistently misses all of these cues about sort of, like, how excited the other person is to be talking to you and, like, things like that, you know? Um and it's like, hey, like you got it's not just the information that matters. It's this other you're protecting the space between you yeah. and the other. You're protecting the conversation space. Right. You're tending to the conversation space. Yes. A little bit. So noticing if you interrupt people all the time, which I'm trying to notice more of because I know that I do that. Mm. But um 
noticing that, noticing if if the way you're talking invites participation from somebody yeah. else or not, noticing yeah. it, you know, just like all of those sorts of like the shape of show of a conversation. When we were talking about the, how many tokens do you have, like what allotment of your bandwidth, Yeah. when we were doing these dyads at the retreat, it was like, okay, part of the awareness is on me, part of the awareness is on you, and part of the awareness is on the space between us mm-hmm. and how it's going. And so at the end of each of these dyads, we'd have a few minutes to say, so how was that? What was your experience of this exchange? Which I love that chance to check in and kind of just say, how'd that go? Yeah. Uh, I love it when people do that after improv shows, too. So what you're saying about a good conversationalist, I think a good improviser does that, too, is aware of... How'd that show go? Yeah, and how much stage time was I taking and how much were other people getting? And mm. I'm not going to pussyfoot around and stay off the stage because I think you, it would be better if you go. I can't hold back. But at the end of it, when we're kind of reviewing and saying, oh, how, would that, how was that? What do we want to do better next time? To take that's, that's one of the measurements. Mm-hmm. And to say, oh, I noticed, I noticed I was talking more today. Yeah. You know, or I noticed I played the protagonist. Maybe next time we'll let somebody else play the protagonist mm-hmm. you know, or give a little more window for that to happen. Mm-hmm. There's that kind of inventory. Yeah. I am so eager with this episode in particular. I love that we're outside. We considered being in this tiny little room in in a room here on campus that was called the phone booth, which is supposedly soundproof. But it was this tiny little room, and it was just four walls. It was like six by four. I mean, it was like very small. very small. And it maybe would have been a little clearer or cleaner, but it would have been so much more sterile, especially visually. This is so nice to be out in the sunshine. But I'm loving that for this episode, we've got ambient sounds. Yeah, So for the listening episode. For the listening episode. So somebody just walked by or ran by, jogged by. And I'm hoping that maybe you all could have heard that. We'll but see. I, but I'm, I want to offer an explicit invitation. Maybe I've already kind of leaned in that direction. But like, as you're listening to the episode, what else can you hear going on in the background? Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, I wonder about our mics. I, like, I wonder how much they're picking up. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, the selflessness of really listening mm. and really asking. Because it feels like, I think one of the reasons, like I think that one of the reasons people don't say like, how, how was that for you? How is this? Is because they're afraid of getting an answer they don't want. I mean, how was the, this conversation for you? Whatever it is, yeah. yeah. Okay. Like really checking in mm-hmm. and being open to the idea that maybe it wasn't great mm-hmm. for somebody. Mm-hmm. That we like show up with. I'm gonna, I wouldn't want to protect myself, so I'm not going to open myself to information that I don't want to hear. And that's something. Mm-hmm. The bravery of really just like letting go of your spot, of, of your spot, of, the, of how good you look in the conversation and being really curious about a person's experience and trusting that you'll be able to handle whatever it is that comes out of it. Yeah. That's cool. I don't know if I would describe that as selflessness. That to me sounds more like Maybe it's just transparency or yeah. vulnerability, yeah. right? So it's like, because I would recognize, <laughs> again, this is more tuned in after this week of like, even when I'm being my best, and I'm putting this in quote, uh, air quotation marks, most selfless listener, yeah. there's still a part of me that like, yeah, I, I want you to recognize that I'm listening well. 
Oh yeah. You know, like I want to be, I want this identity of being a good listener. Uh-huh. I've still got some somewhere in there. There's an attachment, or there's a pleasure that I'm getting out of it. That's also there. It's not that that's more important or larger, but it's a thread that's yeah. in the tapestry. Yeah. But can I acknowledge that and now come back and be as fully present as possible? Right. So that's not driving the ship. Yeah. That agenda of like, no, really, I'm a good listener. Don't you? Don't you know that? Yeah. Can't you tell? Right. And what else can you? Yeah. Yeah. That's not the main thing, but yeah, that's there. You yeah. A little sense of humor. Yeah. But that willingness to to not be judging oneself or to not be afraid of how I'll look or what this is going to say or suggest about me or that you might run away because now you don't like me anymore because I wasn't a good listener. Yeah. All that stuff. Clear that stuff out or at least acknowledge it. And then, and you can then be don't re- be then at its mercy. Exactly. Yeah. Don't let that be the thing. Mm-hmm. That's the, it's kind of the same, again, same thing on an improv stage. You mentioned someone responding to what they hear, and I was thinking of being changed, letting yourself be changed. Mm-hmm. You know, that a, a good listener will be affected by what they're hearing. Oh, this is an interesting one, though. Is that the case? I don't think that's a that's a I don't think that's a listening skill. I think that's a different skill. Yeah, maybe. And this is maybe a good listener isn't affected so much, right? So that you want to be a little dispassionate, right? So if you tell me something, this happened again. See, this happened on the retreat too. Somebody told a story that was very emotional. They talked about their they had suffered a lot of loss in the last year or something like that. They lost both their parents a partner and their job or something. Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, Oh, and I felt inside my own chest. It's like, I felt like I got kicked a bit when they, when I heard this and I was having an emotional reaction. Now it's kind of an empathic, like I feel you. And yet as a listener, if I indulge in that and I start going like, Oh, that reminds me of this loss and this loss. And now, and I'm taking time and energy to go off on what this emotion has stirred in me of what it reminds me of, I'm no longer present to the person. So like on one level, maybe I'm being a good listener because I'm being empathic. But if I let let that empathy carry me off away from what's happening in the conversation, I'm no longer being a good listener. Yeah. Right. And I realized I do that a lot. Uh Even though I'm not trying to steer the conversation to be about me internally. You've gone away. I've gone away. Yeah. Yeah. So this practice of coming back but you but, back. but I think you can still be changed like yeah. the initial hit was not because of all of your loss the initial hit the emo- the initial emotional change was from her loss there's a disturbance in the force it's like oh right if you just stay there oh my god yeah imagine what that would have been like for you right without going to the like oh yeah because I've lost people too and this one time I lost somebody really important to me and it was right on the heels of this other thing that I happened and I like let me tell you how I all of the reasons why I know how you're feeling yeah which is like nope not a it's not about you yeah and the, the difference for like, me just let it be about them the difference for me is that some I, I would have earlier thought that yeah a bad a non-skillful listener would turn the conversation to oh yeah that reminds me of my situation mm-hmm but that even if I'm not saying that out loud, I'm still part of me is still doing that. Uh huh. Yeah. And so like catching that, saying no, come back. Come back. Just listen to them. Just come back. Yeah. Stay present. Stay open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I like it when people respond to what's happening in my story mm-hmm. in a way that's like, oh man, like emotionally. Yes. 
I want that. I don't want dispassionate. I don't want... You, you don't... You want resonant, but not hijacking. Yeah. Yeah. Not that, hijacking. Does that sound right? Yep, that sounds right. Okay. You got it. You're really listening. <laughs> I can tell you're really listening. This is another one. This is another component. Sometimes, this, there's all different kinds of good listening. Yeah. Another one is to check your... To check what you heard. Right. And I learned that from a buddy this summer. He was talking, I guess, about imago therapy, which I think comes from the work of Harville Hendricks. Harville? Yeah, Harville. I'd like to name a character Harville in a, Harville Hendricks. In a show sometime. Uh, and the notion is you know, somebody tells you something and say, okay, well, so this is what I heard. Did I get it right? Yeah. What am I missing? And you get the chance to, A, demonstrate that you heard it, and B, that you got it right. And then they say, well, that was close, but here's the... Here's a little tweak. Yeah, and then they feel really heard. Yeah. So affirming to get that kind of You did a thing back. once, which was awesome, which wasn't a listening skill necessarily, but it was a conversation skill when you said, would you like help or witnessing? Mm. I was like complaining about something and you're like, well, which, how would it be helpful for me to be right now? Like, do yeah. you, want, you want help in solving this or do you just want me to like notice how shitty this is? Right. And I forget my answer, but I was like, what a great question. <laughs> like, wh- what do you want? How do you want me to yeah. be in this? Like, because that can really, if all I want is to be like, is to vent, I don't want you to fix my problem. That's right. I just want you to be like, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. That sucks. Ugh. Yeah. You've done that a little bit recently with me too. Something similar where you've said, do you want to hear, would you like my perspective on this? Yeah. Or do you want me to just support you? And you know, a couple of times you've been like, a, like a chiller, like like the in the African American church of like, brother, I hear you. I hear I, you. That is absolutely true. Yes, yes, that it's is true. That, you're right. It is like that. <laughs> At one point, I was angry about something. I said, I, I finally tapped into some anger. You said, I've been wondering where that was. <laughs> and I was like, when you said that, I felt free to express more of my anger because it was like, fine, you're going to be all right with it. <laughs> well, I'll be angry with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is crazy that Let's this person go. did this. Yeah. Yeah, but it's nice. And then I've also learned to ask for what I need, right? Or yeah. it's like, I just need you to, I need you to help me figure something out. Or I just need to tell you how about this. Or I need your mm-hmm. help working out what to do about this or whatever. And it's like really so nice because it means that I'm not in, insisting that you, you read my mind. Well, it's so our listening partners can be, this is what's cool about that interpersonal, di- the insight dialogue, the interpersonal meditation is that the other person becomes a sounding board for our meditation, right? So I can say to you, well, it's like I might do writing in my journal or in sitting in quiet meditation where I'm just trying to notice my thoughts. I get to speak them out loud. Yeah. They land in you, so they register, and then I can let them go. It's a skillful venting rather than a wallowing and enlarging. Ruminating. Ruminating. It's like, here it is, gone. Yeah. Here it is, gone. Let it go. Yeah. Let me get it out. I feel like my like primary way of understanding what I think and how I feel is talking. Well, hello, Madam Extrovert. I know. I like, I can't, a journal, I'm like, uh, I like, I can't, I don't know. I don't know. You know, and like the idea of going away and thinking about something and having that be productive, like it just doesn't happen in my world. Uh, listeners, I wish you could have seen Lisa's face when she was talking about the journal. <laughs> I don't feel judgmental. It just doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't click for me. Like right. I wish it did. I know. And in times when no one is available, I will write things down. <laughs> but like, if I can get someone on the line and be like, I gotta, 
Here's what's happening. Talk to the cats before you'd write in your journal. Oh my God. The cats are not excellent conversation partners. (laughs) They interrupt with their own agenda all the time. They just, you know, they're very, they're very soft. Yeah, that's funny. Whereas, of course, I'm like, if I really want to understand my own thinking. I gotta go away. Give me a quiet room and a comfortable chair. A quiet room and a journal. And a lap desk. And I'm like, I have no idea what I think until I speak it out loud. Like, my thinking about things is a series of conversations with different people. And I've learned that. And so I will, I will make that plan instead of yeah. thinking that I'm going to do it on my own. And I'll call somebody and I'll say, hey, oh, this is when I was, when I was doing the Bechtel test, when I was uh, developing the format. Sure. I developed it through a series of conversations with people. Oh, cool. Where I like called somebody and I was like, I just want to talk to you about ideas for what this might look like. Like, here's what I'm thinking. And then they'd say, oh, that's interesting. So it could be kind of like this. And I'd be like, yeah. And then like test my feelings about their idea. Test, test out test it out by noticing how I feel about their idea and be like, mm-hmm. ah, yeah, well, this is the, yeah, three women, that'd be cool. I don't know if they're sisters, maybe it's something else. Right. Okay, thank you, you know, and then that's gone, and then I sort of, like, move on, and I have a conversation with somebody else about it, and it feels like that is the only productive way I have so far of... Yeah, teasing things out. Teasing things out. I love it. Getting to, like, what I really think. There, there Again, it's got that improvisational quality of, like, your... You say something, and then the other person might add a little perspective that like leads you. Oh, that opens another door. Let me yeah. go down that avenue. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I I've been getting more and more aware of that quality. That in these dialogues that we had this week, there were several times where, okay, granted it was slower and quieter the conversation, but like these cool insights bubbled up, and like ooh. That's really interesting. I want to talk about that. Or maybe some random image that somehow spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's an example. We were talking about the self being, the self-generating mechanism being really sticky. And I was imagining it like a magnet that comes into a room and just like everything metal, just like boom. So this self is saying, I'm a metal attractor. Boom. And it pulls everything. And so you can go through meditation and be like, all right, let me painstakingly peel these pieces of metal off this thing and try to de and throw this self-generating thing into the other room like just let me be here in the room and then the magnet goes in the other room and goes oh okay not metal wood and then like all the window frames and the doors like get sucked to the ball and now it's Mm. holding wood and you go in there when you say self-generating you mean the thing that generates the self yeah that generates the notion of a self like who am i right i'm gonna i'm the white guy. Ah, I'm, I'm, it decides. I'm the learner. I'm the smart. I'm smart. I'm smart. And I'm friendly. I'm, I'm a meditator. Yeah. yeah. What all the all the words are, Create, all the labels. Creates all that. And so you like peel back. What if I? What if I'm not that? What if I'm just going to be here and be in my awareness? And I go into another space. And then it's like starts to recreate yeah. based on what else is there. Ah, I see. So you put them in a room where there's no metal. It's like okay, fine. I'll attract the wood. Yeah. Take them out of that room. Oh, there's no wood. There's no metal. Oh, I'll attract all the fabric. Yeah. And just. So anyway, that. That image isn't necessarily a perfect image, a beautiful image, but it was one that came up out of a conversation, Yeah, came up out of quiet. I was like, I kind of like that. Yeah. That has meaning for me. I, I understand more about how this notion of the self works mm-hmm. based on that image that came out of conversation. Mm-hmm. Amen. Cool. Amen. All right, Lisa Rowland, we're getting close to our, the, our end of our time here. Let's get out of here. Well, for this episode. I'm not like the end of our time on the earth. Great. Yeah. We hope. We hope. Let we us ne- hope. You never know. We never know. Um, but so I'm wondering if there's anything else you want to 
give our listeners here before we close out about listening? I just remember Ben Johnson, who we have referenced many times on this podcast. Because we he's love a Ben. Wise, wise, wonderful, talented improviser who now sadly lives in New York City. Uh, sadly for us. Sadly for us. I remember in Q and A's he would always say, "I think it is the job of the improviser to listen twice as much as they talk." Mm. I think he said something like that. And I was like, oh, that's great. Your job is to listen. Your job is not to make stuff up. Your job is to listen. Mm-hmm. And once you've done that job, then you can make stuff up. Mm-hmm. But you got to enter the stage with that goal, not the making stuff up goal. Intriguing. And I like that. I like that too. And it could be an interesting thing for like... I think the only other thing that I was thinking of over the course of this conversation is that I think another thing that gets in the way of really good listening is assuming I know what you're going to say. Oh, yes. Like predictive typing. Yeah. Autofill. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think I know where you're going with this. And, or I think I know what you're going to say if I bring this up. I think mm-hmm. I know how you're going to feel if I have this conversation. Yep. I think I know how that's going to go. Yeah. And it keeps me from ever saying the thing or it makes me cut people off or it makes, you know, it, it just stops me from listening. And if I can lay that assumption down yeah, and believe that maybe I don't really know. Right. I might have an idea, but there might be something else in there. People might not be exactly who you think they are. They might have other thoughts going on. They might have other motivations for their behaviors than the one that you assume is true. And that surprise could delight or take you in a valuable direction. Could take you in a valuable direction. It could, could, could shed some light on yep. even maybe a difficult situation that maybe you just haven't listened for the right stuff. Love it. That's that trust emergence principle. Like, yeah. you really don't know. Maybe you don't know. It's changing. Yeah. This person sitting in front of you is changing. I'm, I'm wondering, I think that Ben's suggestion probably could also work well as a teacher. If I go into a teaching setting where I'm going to be in front of the room, if I'm concentrating on listening as much as I'm concentrating on what I'm sharing, yeah. that's probably going to be, make me a better teacher. Yeah. Especially with mindfulness. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Anything else? Anything uh, wants to come out that didn't come out in the conversation? No, I think we've, I, I've enjoyed where we've gone. Yeah. A lot of really, it's just fascinating. Uh, yeah, okay, I'll say this. It's one of those areas where I was not trained well as a kid to listen. And I've done a lot of, I've done a lot of practice mm. in formal settings and informal settings. And I feel like I'm getting better at it, but I still have a long way to go. Mm-hmm because of all my whatever neural patterns of, hey, it's about me. Look at me, look at me. Mm-hmm. When I remember to do it, it feels so good. Mm. I feel like I'm being a better person. Mm-hmm. I, I love the way that mindfulness is teaching me to listen for different things and to listen, listen to different ways and to stay present. And the improv is helping me listen in this kind of playful way. I feel like I'm beginning to be a better human. But I'm not too attached to that because, you know, that would be a new self. I, <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. Uh, Well, let's say goodbye to these people. Okay. Well, again, hey, people, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. That was it. Episode number 34. Episode number 34. That was cool. I really had no idea where we were going with that one. I didn't either. But we went a lot of places. I feel like we sort of ended up in a, in a study on conversation. 
in some in some ways. Yes. It was a yes. wide-ranging one. Which to me is kind of like applied listening. It's like taking your listening and how, where's it going to where's the rubber going to hit the road? Mm. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, what, what are you going to do with it? But I, I love, I think, I, I too am surprised that we hadn't gotten to this topic before. I can't believe it. Yeah. There might be more to it in the future. Oh, sure. We'll see. We'll see. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to let you, let, let's see, here are the vital stats. The deets. Email in, us. At info at monsterbabypodcast.com. Come play with us. On the coast of Maine, June 8th to 13th. Uh, love us. With your hearts and minds. <laughs> <laughs> Bodies, I don't know how that would work because we're, we're ethereal. Depends on you. <laughs> for you, we're ethereal. I mean, yeah, for some of you. <laughs> I don't know who's out there. You're going to submit a proposal of some sort. Okay, all right, we're moving on. We're, we're moving on. Okay. Uh, yeah, those proposals, hey, very, sure. <laughs> they're welcome. Very pleased to have you with us. We will see you next time. Is there anything else we need to tell them? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but hey, we, I just hope that you're having a great time. That the autumn is treating you well. Yeah, and it's turning cold finally where yeah. we are here in California. Cozy up with some friends, tell a story, listen well. Have a hot toddy or an equally attractive non-alcoholic beverage. Yeah. A tea. Which at Stanford we call an ENAP, That's equally right. attractive non-alcoholic beverage. Yeah, enjoy the heck out of this autumn, would mm-hmm. you? We'll see you next time. It yeah. won't be too long. We'll catch you on the backside. We're in town. On the backside? On the flip side? Isn't it the same thing? No. No, it's not. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later, everybody. I I guess we'll catch you on the flip side. We're out of here. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 